0: That's an awesome beret in your hair. Thank you. I it's I didn't buy it, so like it is not mine. But it was in the bathroom cabinet, which I take as like a public
1: yeah, stealing yeah, yeah. space. It's like a a finders
0: keepers type stitch. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I'm wearing it. I'm just you
1: look <laughs> grand. My bliss ride She's got out. a gorgeous gold barrette no it's not
0: gorgeous it's like a one of those snappy clips (laughs) but just a little bigger
1: i once was working on a play and uh the director had to tell me like i was trying to grow out my short hair Mm -hmm. i currently have short hair still but i was trying to like grow it out a little bit and i had to clip it all up on the sides and i used like the tiny version of that yeah and the director was like yeah and like you can have your hair back or up but not with those clips why cuz they <laughs> that was like her way of Of being like, you can do what you want in your own personal life, but
0: like in my play... (laughs) Keep it out of my production, I want people with class and taste and style. (laughs) You can definitely use some bobby pins, but maybe not a child's clip. Maybe not a child's barrette. I still have one of my favorite clips um, that you gave to me, which is a tortoiseshell clip in the shape of a little Scotty dog. (laughs) I love that. Oh, any kind of Scotty dog print. I've got PJs with a Scotty dog print. They're my flannels. I love them. I don't know any, but I know that... Historically, in my family, people, relatives have owned them. Really? Yeah. My, Is it like your my dad's new side of the family family crest? What? No. I I mean I, I I should be so lucky. No, I think that's still who's the to same say old, that you can't old. just like
1: redesign it.
0: If we're redesigning it, it's not going to be a Scotty dog. I'll tell you that. What it's, would it be for me? I don't know. Like maybe two dolphins in the shape of a heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> what else? What's in the middle of them? A sunset. Duh. Obviously, that's a really you? good shield. The Fagan family crest currently is three chalices, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that like our family slogan is like "God over country," Whoa. which
0: is really intense. I know. I don't know. I feel. Do you guys feel that way? I don't think you do. I mean, I feel not that strongly about either. The yeah, I was, was gonna say. Actually, I started <laughs> saying, it, and then I was like, "They can both fuck off."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I mean. I do feel strongly in standing up for something you believe in. So I like that my ancestors were con- had convictions. Sure, it's nice that they cared about something. But I think mine would now be, oh gosh, I don't even know. Maybe like a awesome flower with some kind of a animal. Maybe like a snake, but also a nice
0: animal like a rabbit or a deer. A snake and a flower and a deer. Yeah, or a ship. I don't know. I got to think about oh, this. Like one. like a ship. You know, I saw a, a ship video with some deer of, on it. Um, a- as you may or may not know, I unofficially associated myself with uh, the Satanic Temple. Not to be confused with the Church of Satan. We are not affiliated with It's them. not the same thing. But
1: Anybody who thinks that, like, Satanists
0: are, I guess, like, bad. Evil is well, people? Church of Satan is LaVeyan Satanism, which I am yeah. not into. Yeah. Satanic Temple. Look it up. Tell me about it. Um it's also it's all about uh having autonomy over your own body. Mhm. It's all about not hurting people. Mm-hmm. And uh, like treating everything with compassion and love. And nature, like loving nature, the best tenets of all major religions. Mm-hmm yep, and uh, it doesn't really believe in like one specific God, I think. Anyway, there was a great video that came out of a, a member representing at a protest this week. Except she 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 is wearing a black cloak and like <laughs> like red and black eye like war paint straight across her eyes wow. like she's from the future, but uh, it made me happy still because I was like sure. oh there you go being gentle being gentle being gentle looking
1: weird <sighs> being gentle looking weird is that's <laughs> my family slogan yeah that's there my you newfound go. There it is. yeah there it is that's it mm-hmm. or it's that thing from when you were talking about Wendigos. Uh, what's that the, the the phrase I loved so much it was like uh, something about always a lipless se- face no like constantly seeking uh, oh foods, like insatiable ever seeking, ever seeking flesh or something, or something like, like that, that.
0: Speaking of Wendigo, would you mind terribly if I added a little addendum? Robin, you know I've been
1: waiting for this all week long. Ooh, Robin texted me like listener. late at night one day being like, my dad finally told me the story of the Wendigo. That my he-
0: dad um, is a master of suspense, and he yep. uh, he sent me his Wendigo story over, I would say, the course of four, maybe even five <laughs> days, uh, one very long text at a time. Very suspenseful. With pictures! There's uh, yeah, Okay, so I will just start at the beginning. Okay, he begins saying I'm putting together a quick synopsis of the Wendigo story I heard back in 1971 at the Fond du Lac, Wisconsin Indian Reservation while traveling with Jack and Mike, his friends. Back in the winter of 1971, I joined up with my friends Jack and Mike on a trip to northern Wisconsin to open Mike's family's hunting lodge and get it up and running for the spring season. We headed west from Vermont through Canada and cut south at so- Salt-Saint-Marie back into the U.S. Uh, the lodge was hidden deep in the great north woods off the grid, miles from the last plowed forest service trail. It was out there, way out there. Ooh. And it was very cold. It was difficult work, but after a week, the lodge was ship and cozy, so we decided to make the trek to the nearest town to get some provisions. Mike was also eager to introduce us to his great-uncle, Manny Upshaw, who was an Ojibwe chief and World War II war, war hero. Sorry if I'm botching that pronunciation. Uh, Mike adored his uncle and told us that he was going to try and get him to tell us this story, an account of something that had happened to him. Mike said it the, would blow the, our minds. The uncle? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought, yeah, okay, we'll see. So we met up at a rustic tavern called Shakey's that served a clientele of Native Americans and lumberjacks. It looked like a serious place to get into a serious fist fight. Take me there. I know, like, hello. Uh, we can probably date material. I yeah, think. let's get up there, rent a car. Okay, so Manny was a strikingly handsome, big guy in his fifties who looked and sounded a lot like the actor Anthony Quinn. I don't know who that is. Me neither. I will look it up. So should you, listener. Uh, He was friendly, warm, and gracious, and he spoke quietly in a voice that uh, had a flat aspect to it. All business, no bullshit. The voice of a survivor. Quote, so Mikey, if you want me to tell your hippie friends here the story about the Wendigo, you're going to have to buy me a couple of beers. I love that, like, they're hippies,
1: but he's telling a story about a freaking Wendigo.
0: I mean... Are they mutually exclusive? Not in my not in my heart. Uh, he smiled and then he began to speak.
1: Oh my god, mm. this
0: is gorgeously written. By the I way, I know <laughs> what you can't see is that it says end of part one, and then I didn't <laughs> get the next one until like twenty four <laughs> hours later. All right, <sighs> keeping me in suspense. After the war, I had it. This is in uh, the uncle's voice. Quote: After the war, I had you do job. a voice. No. <laughs> But could you? No. Fine. Fine. After the war, I had a job as an engineer over in Milwaukee, and it was a good job. Paid real good, but I was bored all the time. Then one day, I got a letter from my old Army Corps of Engineers Co., Major Curry, or Corporal, probably, Major Curry, who was Mm -hmm. another Ojibwe boy. He was stationed up at the Minnesota testing range in command of a small squad of guys, mostly from the Six Nations. They were developing a top-secret project, and he wanted me to come in as a civilian contractor to help him wrap up the assignment. Well, I quit that day and drove out. When I got there, I could see there was about a dozen uh, guys bivouacked out there in Quonset huts, and they were all excited about this top-secret machine that they was working on. And you know what it was? It was a big old ski cat. Like the ski cat from The Shining, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, so they didn't have nothing like it then, and the army wanted something to carry soldiers over the bad snows in case we had to go against Russia. Jesus. So they had built a lightweight laminated wood shell, made like a boat, and put some pontoon skis fore and aft, and then they run a rubber caterpillar track down the middle and drove it with a diesel engine. Pontoon skis? Wait. <laughs> This was, like, first model of a ski cat, a snow cat. Ah, okay. It was an ugly, stinking thing, but by the time Christmas rolled around, we had it working pretty good. I I love, sorry, that your dad is, like, taking full.
1: There's no way that this is definitely the author's voice. I mean, the talker's voice. And I love that your dad remembers it in this way. Yeah,
0: of course. Probably some artistic liberties. Major Major Curry was happy with it, and everybody was ready to go on leave, so we devoted the last week to field testing. Most of the guys went home, and there was just a skeleton crew left, me, the Major, and a couple of enlisted men. Then on 20 December, the Major and his aide, Sergeant Coyle, took a couple of jerry cans and drove the snowcat way far downrange to log in some hard traveling. An all-day trip, but they didn't get back before nightfall and were still gone when the sun came up. Ooh. Nobody seemed that worried, but a couple of soldiers scrambled a jeep with spikes and took off to see what had happened. I was a little anxious because we were scheduled to leave the next day, and the radio operator had just announced that some serious weather was blowing in from up north, so we oh. had to go find Curry and get going if we didn't want to get marooned up here in the middle of nowhere. We heard the jeep drive in about noon and went out to sea. They had found Sergeant Coyle in the snow about 10 clicks out and he was practically unrecognizable <gasps> Coyle was propped up in the back of the Jeep like a statue no boots no gloves he was alive but completely unresponsive <gasps> his face had frozen open in an expression of absolute shock the eyes drained of all color his nose cheeks hands and feet were all blackened by frostbite and The result of a night spent unprotected in arctic conditions. What the hell had happened? We got coil inside and the driver told me he was going right back out to look for Curry. There were only a couple hours left of daylight, maybe less with the storm coming. I told him I was coming with him and I grabbed my 45. Quote, I have to use the latrine. Big Manny stood and smiled. Maybe there will be a new beer here when I get back. While he was taking a leak, Mike told us that the vehicle his uncle helped design back then wound up being sold commercially as the Ski-Doo, which was becoming quite popular at that time. Wow. You know what a Ski-Doo is. Sure. So, obviously, the beer was waiting for him when Manny got back, and he drained it before continuing, much as I am going to do right now. Take a sip. This is an incredible yarn. My dad's an incredible storyteller. We followed the track north and picked up Sergeant Coyle's footprints from where they found him, he had walked in the compacted skid track, and he must have been walking all night, more than 20 miles. The tracks led to the posted limit of the military boundary and beyond into that hard country that was tribal land. The driver stopped and suggested we contact the state police because we were leaving our jurisdiction. It was starting to snow heavily and night was falling, but we couldn't leave Major Curry out there. So we put the headlights on and kept going. Not too long after that, we seen a green flash ahead. It was snow lightning. I've seen snow lightning before, what? but this is a green color. That what? is a real thing. I've seen it. I've seen it. Wow. Uh, then we noticed Coyle's footprints stopped. This must have been where he got off or, or fell off the snowcat. A little further along the trail began to rise uphill, and that's when we saw a dark area in the snow ahead of us. I got out to inspect it. It was a circle of rust-colored ice that was formed into what looked to me... Like a perfect Fibonacci spiral 20 feet across. What? I could see that embedded into the dark slurry of the spiral's arms were thousands, maybe millions, of toothpick-sized splinters arranged in a pattern so complex that it actually made me dizzy. Towards the middle of the spiral, the ice became a darker brown, almost black, and placed in its very center was something (gasps) light-colored, something round. I thought maybe it was a wood grub. It was pitch black and snowing heavily, making that sound it does falling on evergreens, that soft sound. Then the sound stopped. All sounds stopped. No Jeep engine, no nothing, like the whole fucking world was holding its breath. Every hair on my body stood on end, and I got a very bad, bad feeling. What? That's when I heard the voice of the Wendigo. <gasps> it was the loudest sound I've ever heard, and it came from every corner of the sky, shaking the snow off the trees and the guts in my belly. Oh my God. I put my hands over my ears and screamed at the top of my lungs, but all I could hear was that awful sound. I ran to the Jeep and saw the driver was bent over, vomiting in the snow. (gasps) I just threw him in the passenger seat and jumped behind the wheel. As I was turning around, the headlights fell upon a figure standing in the circle where I had just been. The driver screamed. That was an animal, was it? Then time just stopped. There was a giant, and he was standing right there in the snow, not 20 feet behind us. Its head was that of an elk, And its body, that of a man. And it was covered in blood. It was staring directly into my eyes. I nailed it hard and the Jeep shot down the road. I couldn't see a fucking thing in all the snow, but I really didn't care. Everything I thought was real in this world had just got thrown out the window and I could feel my brain starting to shut down. Then the terrible trumpeting sound rose up again. The driver screamed, it's coming! I could see its massive hulk in the rearview mirror closing in on in long strides. Shoot it, I told him, but he just sobbed. I gave him my 45. Shoot that motherfucker. And he did. He shot right through the back window, emptying the entire clip at practically point blank range, but to no effect. (gasps) Suddenly the trumpeting stopped. And when I looked in the mirror, there was nothing behind us. We had passed the boundary of the tribal lands and were back on government soil. I didn't slow down and I didn't look back. I just drove as fast as the jeep would go. When we got to the station, the radio man was already waiting in the ambulance. The others had already left in a tactical vehicle. We didn't even go inside to get our shit. We just jumped in with him and tore off down the mountain. That blizzard wound up lasting two days, dumping many feet of snow across the wilderness, covering everything. Over the course of the following week, we we were sequestered at Camp Ripley, I was debriefed, examined, analyzed, and interrogated, but in the end, it was decided that I should just forget about it and keep my mouth shut. Sergeant Coyle did not survive his injuries, and the driver was hospitalized for shock. I never saw him again. They, ne- they made me sign a nondisclosure agreement, and I came back here and have been here ever since. Nobody from the Army has ever contacted me about what took place. I never talked about it outside of the family because I knew folks would think I was just another crazy drunk Indian, but I don't give a shit anymore. To tell you boys the truth, I still don't know what the hell happened out there. I just know what I saw and what I heard, and that's what I told you here. Uncle Manny finished his beer and looked at his watch. Well, it's past my bedtime. I'll walk you guys out. We are stunned in silence. There were so many questions. That's it oh
1: fuck <laughs> i know <laughs> i'll let you guys my mouth was just wide fucking open that entire time i would also like listener
0: dear listener imagine you are but a wee child and you are st- <laughs> staying in a cabin in vermont <laughs> snow falling <laughs> a beautiful snow is falling <laughs>
1: And your dad just whips this one out.
0: <laughs> your dad is whispering this tale to you.
1: Wow,
0: <laughs> so good though, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. also, I mean, we can get into conspiracy theories another day, mm-hmm. but it 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 makes me think about how, like I mentioned with aliens, the government definitely knows so that much monsters shit. are real.
0: So much
1: monsters oh. are real. They just don't want you to talk about them. Do you believe in like a, a Bigfoot?
0: I believe anything's possible.
1: I feel like I do. I want to believe in a big thing. Yeah, I would
0: love to believe in it.
1: That's unbelievable, man. I mean, that
0: is why my fear of a wendigo is so strong, because growing up I was like, the worst thing that can happen to you in a snowstorm is a wendigo. (laughs) Is a wendigo comes for you. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And, like, it's also so interesting that, like, it's steeped in Native American lore. Yeah, and also that that man who died of frostbite, his hands Mm -hmm. and feet were black which is one of the yeah, physical his attributes nose and lips. of a Wendigo. Yeah. That's unbelievable yep. man. I know. It's oh my god crazy. And the head of an elk cuz they're always depicted with uh like antlers or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, they
0: have like a, like a like a like a cow skull looking face, like a Jesus reindeer Christ. skull looking face.
1: Jesus Christ! Yeah. That's the best.
0: So fucking good. That's I'll, the best. I'll post photos of my. My dad sent me photos of him and his friends like this on this trip. Oh yes, I'll, please, I'll post please post, guys. Yeah.
1: If you have a similar tale that you want to spend,
0: please. God, send, it, send, it, to send us. it over. We will do a dramatic dad, reading of it, dad included, dad. Yeah, send me more. My I, dad I would love too. Nothing more than to read more of your stories on on the air. I'll try not to stutter as much next time. You didn't stutter. That was gorgeous. That was <sighs> Thank wonderful. You.
1: My dad as well, but, Dad, I don't really know if anything haunted's happened to you. My dad did tell me once when he was at Wake Forest in North Carolina. Sorry, Dad. I don't know if you don't want the world to know this. It was fun. He a murdered fun a thing. Man. Well? Oh. Oh. Ruin the ruin Cut. Cut. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, he said that what they used to do was, like, pull over on the side of the road and just walk up into the, the mountains and meet people in the middle of the woods that were just making moonshine and then just like drink that and have a great time. That sounds amazing! It's a fun time, right? Yeah. It's a great time. It's not scary. It's not scary at all. But that's like, you know, that's the kind of tales that that my dad tells me. Well, that's fun. And when he constantly jokes that someone's going to murder us in our house.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way,
1: the uh, neighbors stopped shooting those guns. Oh, Uh, good.
0: Yeah, they've stopped shooting them off for now. Still don't really know what happened. Maybe you should call in a wellness check to make sure they didn't just shoot each other. And I hadn't considered that. Yeah, I should probably check on him. Yeah.
1: That's the house where the little boy sometimes wanders onto our property and I have to tell oh, him like a thing about that. That he can't do that because if my dogs are in the backyard yeah. they'll freak out.
0: Yeah. They won't hurt him but they'll just like Go insane yeah. and bark. And then he might get scared. Right. And like and it's if they jump then he, on, he always and shows up wearing a little sailor outfit and just singing
1: in, <laughs>
0: in a la, yeah, la, la. In like a barely well, audible whisper.
1: When I was uh, the first time I saw this tiny boy that came onto the indoor backyard, <laughs> he like mm-hmm. I was on the back porch doing some work and I look up and I see and I live in the middle of the yeah. woods. I see a, a tiny boy. On the edge of our yard, in a in a baby blue T shirt, holding a stick, and I'm like, "That's a ghost." (laughs) I'm totally freaked out, and we just look at each other, like eyes locked, for uh, at least a minute, and then I wave, and then he drops the stick, and I was like, "Fuck." So eventually, I think it was my mom. I was like, "Mom, like, there's there's a there's like a child in the backyard," and she's like, "What are you talking about?" And she went out, and she was like, "Hey, what you doing?" And he was like. Looking for grasshoppers. Oh! <laughs> and she was like, "Do you find any?" And he's like,
0: "So where uh, do you live?" Yeah.
1: <laughs> and of course, she's like, "Do your barren here?" And he's like, "How been feral?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I don't know. I think she told him that there was an invisible, oh yeah, a magical fence around our property that if he crossed it at a certain point, the he would die. Yeah. No. <laughs> that she that she couldn't make sure that, that the dogs wouldn't come and yeah. like jump on him she used magic to keep him safe magic, magic keeps you safe yeah Whew, it's true also speaking of magic Robin just gave me the best present ever.
0: Oh, I'm excited for you to world. use it. Do you want to tell people what it is? Well, it's a little thing called a scrying mirror. A scrying mirror, and I'd never heard of it before. And I cannot. It is a black wait. mirror, and you use it for witchy purposes to see the future and to get yeah. answers for questions to and see to visions, do all sorts of divination.
1: Basically, I guess what you do is you set it up. And you put a small candle of some kind mm-hmm. in front of it, and then
0: you do whatever kind of ritual you so you, please. You, like, meditate with your eyes open, staring into it. Yep, and it's a black mirror. It's similar to using a crystal ball.
1: Mm-hmm. But the thing
0: is, no one else is allowed to look into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not allowed to look
1: into it. Robin gave it to me inside of a black pouch.
0: Yeah, nobody else is supposed to look into it. That's
1: your private scrying mirror. <sighs> I'm so excited. We also, as I was reading about it, found out that it was some of, I guess, uh, magic mirrors originated with scrying mirrors.
0: Yeah, that so makes like sense. the Snow
1: White mirror, mirror on the wall, mm-hmm. Bloody Mary, yeah. anything that's like a vision that you see in a mirror. Yeah, that all comes from this. Old occult practice. Mm-hmm. You can I'm make so them excited. at home,
0: um, but what? how? Uh, if you get like just a, a a like a picture frame, you can if you get like a high gloss um, spray paint or just like regular paint, I guess. Okay, you have to make sure it's really precisely painted on so that there aren't like streaks in it, though. Okay, you paint the back of it, let it dry, ah. and you just put it back in a frame. It'll be it'll be because a mirror is just a sure. silver backing. Sure. So, um you can make it at home and I thought about doing that, but then I thought, why not order it from the highest rated scrying mirror guy on Etsy? Yeah. You do the <laughs> so, right thing. It's got a velvet it bag. It came in a velvet pouch God, as it is supposed so to. It's supposed to live in one. I
1: Packing didn't trust away. myself
0: to make one without imbuing it with accidentally accidental bad energy. Into it. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> imagine like crafting one, but that mirror you is trying to show it, you so and many like visions. It's like your
0: face upside down <laughs> screaming. It's like, "No!" I was like, trying I'm to, I'm to do a nice yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, it's the best. I can't wait to put it on my altar. I'm really excited I for it. I can't
0: wait to hear what you see. You're supposed oh. to keep, like, kind of a dream journal of what you see in it.
1: Amazing. I'm already doing that. Yeah, perfect. I'm doing a dream journal. Last night I had horrifying dreams because I saw Annabelle Creation oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. last night, <laughs> no very, very, very late. No spoilers, no spoilers <laughs> but, no, but I will I say care. this. I was not prepared for this. I went with Patrick, my little brother. He's sitting next to me. And as the movie starts, he leans over and goes, you know Valak's in this, right?
0: Oh, you guys. And he
1: hadn't told me that. Valak is Steph's biggest fear. You all know (laughs) that that demon nun from The Conjuring 2 (sighs) fucked with me more than anything ever has. And I guess I get it. In that moment, just every
0: single hair... On my body stood up. It's nice that he told you, and that you didn't just see it. But it's really funny that he told you when it was already too late to back out. <laughs> yeah, in a in a cruel way.
1: Um, but I, but it's very interesting. Anybody else who sees it will will know the way that I'll see it. The way that Valak's in it is very like it makes me feel like there's going to be a Valex spinoff. Would you see that or no? Absolutely.
0: Oh, okay. Well, all right. Gotta
1: face my fears. <laughs> Well, I think I of, fear her so much that I'm like it's almost a, she a fan. Val is a she. It's a nun, I guess. Right? Only because it's a nun do I refer to her as she. Also, because an evil she is somehow scarier to me.
0: Yeah, more powerful. I feel.
1: Yeah, because women are.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you have a ghost of the week?
1: Sure, fucking do. Oh, I
0: would love to hear. About uh, that. and guess what it
1: is? Tell me. It's a ghost nun.
0: <gasps> Stop.
1: Yup, and I didn't even plan for it to be like. I didn't even do it because I know because I knew I would see a movie with Valak in it. It just kind of You're happens. Dance with to her. a ghost
0: nun. I am. It haunts me. It haunts you me love, in my life. Ca- you love Catholic shit. I do. I, I I really do. I know. No, I'm not saying in a bad way. I'm it's saying fun. like it's on brand for you. I love it. It's you fun. Love it. I love that you love. Oh, it Oh, it's so fun. I know. It feels very like. Uh, when I think of, like, scary Catholic stuff, I'm, I, it makes me be like, oh, I'm a child that's, like, doing something wrong. I know. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, You feel very naughty. Yeah. I don't like that word, but yes.
1: You don't like that word? <sighs> you don't like an, a naughty little boy to stop go... Stop it! Okay, stop. Why? Because it's like, do you think of it in, like, a weird way? Yeah, I don't care.
0: I don't like it as a word. because oh, okay. It grosses <laughs> me out. It's like, you've been a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Anyway, well, but yes, uh, it is nevertheless the correct term for what I— For how you feel? feel. Yeah. Yeah,
1: being Catholic, you feel naughty all the time. <laughs>
0: Stop saying
1: it. All right, I'll try. No promises. Today's ghost story— Tell me. —is Borley Rectory. <gasps> Woo. Mm-hmm. Now, what is a rectory? Real quick, I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you. This is the most haunted house in England, mm. claimed to be, and we have a fun uh, a fun guy who we know in here, <gasps> Harry Price. Oh my god! I know. We talked about him. He's a paranormal expert. Yeah, psychical researcher who uh, I think we talked about him as somebody who said that orbs were bullshit.
0: Mm. Um.
1: Anyway, he Fair. he's great. I'll tell you more about him. Yeah, it. please. This building, this rectory, what what it is? It's it's like a parish house um, where the rector lives. It's a place. And now, for, what is a rector? I'm not quite sure, but it's like some clergyman. Okay, some kind of clergyman. A man of the cloth. Yeah, I think that uh, I should have looked this up, but I feel like it's like a Church of England thing, maybe. That's fine. I don't care. I have no idea. Like, maybe think of it as like a vicar. Vicar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like a vicar. Um, anyway, this wonderful rectory is in the Gothic style. Beautiful. Built in 1862 to house the rector of the parish of Borley mm. and his family in the village of Borley in Essex. Beautiful. England. Alleged to be haunted since it was built. What? Since it was built. But gained popularity after the Daily Mirror, published in expose by paranormal investigator Harry Price. Hey. Hey, Harry. let me Harry's going to play a big role in this, so let me kind of just tell you a little bit about him. Yeah, please. British psychic researcher and author. Um, he basically gained prominence because he investigated a lot of, like, phenomena, but also exposing a lot of fake spiritualists and mediums. He did believe in mediums, but he had select ones that he was like, she's legit. He's legit. Yeah. You're bullshit. So he came to the attention of the press when he claimed um, an early interest in space Ooh. telegraphy? What? Telegraphy? Oh, telegraphy? Okay. okay. Well, he set up like a receiver and transmitter between Telegraph Hill, Hatcham, and St. Peter's Church, Broccoli. Nice. And captured a spark on a photographic plate. Awesome. Good job. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Uh, this was nothing more than Harry re- writing a press release saying that he had performed the experiment. Oh. Though. So uh, nothing was verified.
0: <sighs> hard that times. happens a lot with
1: Harry. We'll see. Oh, um, uh, very interested in magic as well. Just giving you a little brief history of this guy. Um, he claimed to be involved with an archaeological excavation in London, and also no one can verify it and deny that he did it. So I think he makes, like, it's hard. Harry's... A tragic hero in this tale because he he's like a paranormal expert who cried wolf,
0: right? Like he if makes it is all these true, claims, it's amazing,
1: yeah. But we can't prove it's true because he lied a lot. Turns out, oh, <laughs> Price well. joined the Society of Psychical Research (SPR) in 1920, and because of his knowledge in conjuring and debunking a lot of fraudulent mediums, they really liked him. But soon, he started not to get along with the SPR people. He disagreed with a lot of their methods. Like, I guess they would charge mediums to test them, which Price thought was immoral. Yeah. So, he formed his own organization in 1926 called the National Laboratory of Psychical Research (laughs) as a rival, as an actual, like, fuck you SPR. Yep. The psychical researcher John L. Randall wrote that in regards to Borley Rectory, there was direct evidence of, quote, dirty tricks played upon Price by members of SPR as he researched Borley Rectory. Yeah, so they were like, yeah, Harry, like, cool, like, we'll come research with you, and then, like, fucked with him and stuff. Mm -hmm. I know. Oh, well.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're definitely all dead now, so it doesn't matter.
1: Yep. Uh, After his death, a lot of members of SPR um, said that his claims were all, like, false. Tried to, like, run his name through the muck. Mm -hmm. But there are some people that still kind of believed in him. Robert Hastings was one of the few SPR researchers to defend Price.
0: Very charitable of you, Robert.
1: Yeah, and I feel like um, if you only have—if, like, you start— an organization just to piss off another organization, and then when you die, SPR just shits on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe you were doing something right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. I, mean, I don't, don't know. Don't live your life based on that philosophy, but yeah.
1: I don't know. Anyway, Borley Rectory was Harry Price's, like,
0: Crown Magnum Opus. Yeah. Yes,
1: Crown Jewel. The investigation was conducted between 1929 and 1938. And it's basically the best authenticated case of the analysis of psychical research. Like To date, it was the best research, but then the SPR kind of shadowed Sorry, what
0: year was this?
1: This is between 1929 and 1938. Okay. So it was a nine-year period. His findings controversial, the truth may never be known, but I will say that the rectory... In um, just like people in England are still like that place is seriously haunted. God. So non experts just believe it. Yeah. Without even needing proof. Compared to other hauntings, it's a little ordinary. Uh, it starts out, it's a very gloomy structure, unattractive red brick, located about 60 miles northeast of London. Really, really old. Um, it was first lived in and built by the Reverend Henry Bull whose family occupied it for 70 years. Oh, dang. When he died, he was succeeded by his son, Harry, not Harry Price, as a rector. After Harry died, there was no rector for a long time, and the town was psyched about it. They were like, we don't need you here. It's fine.
0: It's because nobody knows what a rector is. It's probably
1: like, we're <laughs> just like, our taxpaying dollars are <laughs> Who helping are these you rectors eat. are that we keep paying to <laughs> <Who> live, live <laughs> in this What's your job? Yeah. According to local lore, the rector was haunted. Villagers avoided it after dark.
0: I mean, you in, probably should have anyway. Yeah. It's a public building. Get, you know, get out of there. It's somebody's
1: home, yeah. yeah. Don't just go to someone's private, home at night. Private building. Yeah. In 1928, it was taken over by the Reverend G.E. Smith and his wife, both professed skeptics of the paranormal. That's 12, 12 clergymen have lived in this house. That's a lot. Since then, yeah. So, do-do-do-do. Legend has it the main ghost that haunts this rectory. The main hate. Is the phantom nun. Yep. You do not want to see that in the dark. uh Uh-uh. She drifts around the grounds, especially along a path dubbed the nun's walk. No. With her head kind of like looking down. No, no, no. Yep. The nun was seen both in daylight. Hell no. And at night. Yeah. At one point, even during the movie last night, a scary thing happens in day, and I was yelling, it is day, (laughs) because I couldn't believe it. It was against the rules. Just me yelling, it is day. It is day. It's not,
0: this isn't supposed to happen.
1: It is day. Yeah, but she doesn't care. This nun doesn't care.
0: No, of course.
1: She's seen daylight, night, but usually her favorite time is dusk on July 28th.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Why? That's
1: her day.
0: Why is that her day?
1: I don't even know, but I think we're gonna find out. All right. Once she was seen by four daughters of Henry Bull, the original owner.
0: Uh
1: huh. Um, there was also a phantom coach with horses. <gasps> we know that. Shout one. out! Shout out! Play, shout play, out play, to play, the play, Pookas play, play, play. and Death Coach. Mm-hmm. Uh. Also, Harry Bull alleges that um one time he saw the coach being driven two headless horsemen yeah that's the death coach Ooh. you can't like pretend like that's anything but the
0: death i love that Ugh, yep. i wish that i was a musician so my stage name could be death coach it's never too late well yeah i guess i could just adopt it as a stage name mine would be uh, the phantom nun mine would be um two dolphins in the shape of a horse. Yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) You're like artist formerly known as Yeah, I'm just a symbol. The Death Coach and its two (laughs) dolphins with a sunset. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So Legend of the Nun. There's no historical documentation yet that proves this, but says the rectory was built on part of the site once occupied by a medieval monastery where a tragedy took place. There are a lot of variations of this story. I'm gonna read you all of them. One has it that a nun from a convent at nearby Bures mm-hmm. tried to elope with a lay monk at Borley. Ooh. At least lay monk, go for the top monk. I feel. <laughs> they were aided by another lay brother and made their escape one night by coach. <gasps> <gasps> the death coach. They were captured. The nun that was is interred. Even try. I know. The nun was interred alive in one of the monastery's walls, as in oh she my was God. locked, like bricked Holy into the wall. Shit. And her lover was hanged. Honestly, that feels like an overreaction. I know, but they're really intense. I mean, these are the Inquisition people. Different times, yeah. Yeah. The fate of the accomplice was unknown, unless you read this version of the story, which says that she was interred and both the men were hanged. Another version says that the nun and her lover escaped, but quarreled, and he strangled her. Jesus. On the monastery grounds. Okay.
0: Like, honestly, guys. And that he was hanged. Don't get engaged if you're just going to strangle each other.
1: I know. Or don't plan an elaborate escape and then strangle your accomplice. Yeah, you don't even know each other. Are you kidding? At least in all of the versions, At least write letters guy's for a couple hanged.
0: years, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: This monk ha- is, is hanged every single time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, still another version. Uh, replaces the monk with grooms. I don't know what those are, with the same unlucky fate. So every, everybody dies. There's also this theory called the screaming girl theory. Oh, I don't like that. Though not widely believed, um, that says that after the rectory was built, a young girl was seen one night clinging on the sill of the blue room on the second floor. That's a room that has, it's, uh, people who believe in the screaming girl theory think that that room's especially haunted. Okay. And that she fell to her death. Oh, God. Yeah, so the nun also can be seen and heard several times throughout the years, um, but mostly around the time when Henry Bull was alive. But you can hey. still see here, and there's pictures of her. This is a picture <gasps> of the rectory
0: itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't look cool. very churchy, although no, it no. is also completely like hollowed out. It looks like a hollowed out brick mm-hmm. um, British mansion. Yep. It's great. It's beautiful. Um, let's see. On to the next.
1: The newspaper articles prompted Price, Harry Price, yeah. to invite himself out to the rectory for investigation. Just invited himself. <laughs> yep. Been there. Been there. He and his secretary, Luske arrived June 12, 1929. Um, in his book, The Most Haunted House in England, Amazon it, the Smiths told him the hauntings had become shortly after they moved in. So this is the reverend now. Uh-huh. This is the Living 20s. In the this is the new reverend who's a total skeptic. Yeah. But they're saying these ha- these hauntings happened shortly after they moved in. Mm-hmm. Strange whispers. This is a long list of things they claim, right? Tell me. Ready? Strange whispers. Scary. A woman's voice that moaned and then exclaimed, Don't, Carlos, don't. <gasps> Oh my god. So
0: disturbing.
1: Let me read that, that again. Let me read that again. A woman's voice that moaned and then exclaimed, "Don't, Carlos, don't."
0: I hate that.
1: Yep. Mysterious. I mean, that's like the worst haunting of all. <laughs> moaning, moaning and then don't, like, Carlos. Yeah. Don't. If you
0: hear that once, it's like, oh my god, should we do something? If you hear it yeah. twice, it's like, okay, like or like it's continually. What's going, yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't even know. (laughs) Mysterious Footsteps and the Phantom Nun. This is grouped into one. Both of those things. Sure. Who the maid saw all the time,
0: apparently. Just, she lives here. Just everywhere.
1: Strange lights appearing unaccountably in windows of unused wings.
0: Mm, Mmm. Imagine the luxury of having a home so large, there are unused wings.
1: Oh, I wish. And the ghost of Harry Bow. And also odd black shapes, like rectangles, for example. (gasps) The Scariest Shape of All. Mm-hmm. After hearing this, Harry was like, "I gotta, I gotta look around this whole place." Mm-hmm. So he did. While he was there, he claims poltergeist phenomena occurred. He interviewed the staff and others and made a list of everything that had gone on in the rectory. This is the big list. Yeah. Some things for at least fifty years. The staff said. Oh. Because remember, there was seventy years of yeah. this other guy's family Forever. there, including telekinesis, spontaneous displacement of, of objects. Oof. Smashing pottery, voices, footsteps, banging of doors and other noises, spontaneous combustion of portions of the house. Oh my god! Mysterious wall writings, oh no. paranormal bell rings, inexplicable and sudden thermal variations, touching.
0: Snow. Yep. We've already established that that, that is unwanted. <laughs> yeah.
1: Choir singing, which I feel like might just be a choir oh, no, that's singing. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Music, strange lights. Coach-like rumblings outside the rectory, uh-huh. sound of galloping horses, pleasant and un- unpleasant odors, fright of animals—just <laughs> an animal being scared—is is haunting. In my house all the time. I know. Mysterious smoke in the garden—that's a That's fun one. Scary. I like that. Unknown footsteps in the snow. Wrappings.
0: Wait, oh, like wrappings
1: in response to questions.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. like a seance. Mm-hmm.
1: And accurate predictions given through communication with a planchette.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, can you remind people of what Let a planchette is? Let me just back up for a second. Were these people a fucksin' around with a Ouija board? I mean, I'm sure some like maid was like, Do you know what I put on the five I a Ouija board. <laughs> Look, Look, I found this fun game board. Sorry to, play. to all of our British friends. <laughs> I'm not, but, that's accurate. Come itself haunted. <laughs> um, because if you use a planchette, which is the thing that you use on a Ouija board that yep. points at the letters, you're gonna get haunted. Yeah, it's you may and as you're well just asking have a keyboard. for it. Yeah, you yeah. may as well just like draw a door on the wall that says, like, come in, anyone, anything.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, you're asking for troubles. But yeah, I think one of them maids put it in there.
0: <laughs> you can't just blame a maid, dude.
1: <laughs> maybe she was gift, gifted it.
0: Why would you know it be a maid what? and not one of the assholes
1: that, that like lives there for 70 years? I find it, I mean, maybe they were into it, but they're. They're uh, man they of are. God. Yeah, yeah. For them to have a planchet would be like very taboo. But also, I love that. Would you I'm changing it, it. Would
0: be naughty, 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 rector. <laughs> well, there at some point. I'm sure there must have been children or at least teens living there, oh, yeah, right? Of course. So you know, that's not that unusual for. A child or a yeah. teen to... even do a child like, God the idea of, like, Ouija a thing forbidden
1: in. planchette in, like, the rectory?
0: Of course. I would I would hide shit all over that rectory.
1: Oh, it'd be the best. I have so many scrying mirrors.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you're gonna see a <laughs> Valak nun in that mirror the second you look into the it. The
1: very minute I light like the candle, <laughs> Valak will appear in my room. You have my to room.
0: try super hard not to picture a Valak, okay? All right, well...
1: I'll try, but I'm not okay. in control. Okay, if it
0: comes down to it, picture Valak, but then picture my face. Okay, in the Valak, like that'll work. Nuns' face, like I'll just like, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah,
1: I'm immune to it now. Perfect. So then Harry Price himself heard the bells, saw strange rains, strange rains of objects coming tumbling down the stairs, <laughs> window pane breaking. Price was like, "I'm done. We just gotta have
0: a séance." So there he was like it was like poltergeist type stuff.
1: Just like yeah, things this flying is flying around. This is stuff that um. The Smiths were like, there's some hauntings here. And then the staff was like, there's
0: crazy yeah. hauntings yeah, here. Like, like, it's not just noises. There's yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, we see
1: all the time, and it's poltergeist-like a- yeah. activity. So he had a seance in the blue room with no medium present. They heard faint tapping in response to questions. Mm-hmm. And the spirit identified itself <gasps> as Harry Bull. Ooh. And said it wished to attract attention.
0: <sighs> Don't we all? At least he could admit it.
1: Yep. Price returned a lot of times um, and got phenomena on demand. He would come and be like, act up Harry Bowl, and then he would. Um, On July 15th, the Smiths moved out. They said they did they did not believe in spirits, but decided to well, leave because the rectory was an uncomfortable house with tell bad sanitation. Whatever you
0: got to tell yourself. Yeah, you know? they they were like, "There's it's well water." It's actually just kind of like I don't love the view.
1: Yeah, it's just I j- I need it to be. I need a couple more wings. I'm not I don't scared. Use. I
0: just like I would prefer like a an eastward facing.
1: house. Of course, who wouldn't? In the thir- in 1930, October 16th, Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister, cousin to. Uh, No one needs to know that. And his wife, Marianne, moved into the rectory. A year later... Oh, oh. I guess other people that lived there contacted Harry again. Even though these new people, Lionel and his family, moved in, they were like, Hey, Harry, that shit's still happening. Yeah. So the foisters were really troubled, especially Marianne. And this is a great portion of this that I love, because shit started appearing on the walls. <gasps> Writing appeared on the walls. Oh. And they call these the Marianne letters. Oh my god. And I'm gonna show you one. Or a, a couple. <gasps> this is a picture of Oh no. Wait, I gotta go back into my Google
0: Docs. Picture of the Marianne letter. Letters. That's so good. Now what are these written in? Or is it blood? Is it they're scratched into the wall oh wow okay
1: yeah so there's one that, I, that I'm looking at right now that just says Marianne please help get and then just a dash there's one that we can't read but it says Marianne and there's one that says Marianne a bunch of scrawling I cannot understand tell me more and then the word Marianne again So So I think that what happened was the Marianne is like, under that, I cannot understand, tell me more, is what they scrawled back into the wall. And then underneath it is like a bunch of nonsense. Oh, okay. When they were trying to like communicate with it.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. They were just like strange, barely legible
0: notes to Marianne found scrawled on the rectory walls. That's fucking terrifying. It looks like it's Deep yeah. in the wall too. It's really deep it's in the in, wall. Like concrete. Yeah,
1: and you can't you can't make that shit up. Marianne wouldn't have done that to herself. So the foisters left the rectory three years after moving in. Feels like
0: three years too long. <laughs>
1: yeah. To Marianne hated it so much. She left. Um the poltergeist activity mainly focused on her. Um and Harry Price, he still just like couldn't get enough. On June 2nd, Or in in 1937, Price decided to lease the rectory for a year. He deserves it, honestly. Yep. Um. They he and a friend of his moved in. They drew chalk circles around some movable objects, and they moved. They found. He decided that he's like, you know what? I need more help. This rectory's gigantic. He took out an ad in the paper. Here's what it here's what it said. The advertisement reads: Haunted house. Responsible persons of... Should I do it in a British accent? Yeah. Okay, let's try. Haunted house. I can't. I can't all laugh. Responsible persons of leisure and intelligence, intrepid, critical, and unbiased, are invited to join ROTA of observers in a year's night and day investigation of alleged haunted house in home counties. Printed instructions supplied scientific training or ability to operate simple instruments and advantage... House situated in a lonely hamlet, so own car is essential. Write box H989, the times E-C-4.
0: You know, having your own car is the deal breaker there for me. I don't, I fit everything else.
1: Scientific training an advantage, but not required. Yeah, And that's why he hired 40 novices to help him. Wow! To help him look into this. Most of them amateurs... And didn't know what the hell they were doing. And that's why a lot of people are like, this is an illegitimate investigation because you use just like any old person. He drew up a blue book of procedures, taught people how to use the equipment. Um, But from here, it was kind of just like a shit show because nobody knew what to do. And they also didn't know what each other were doing. So somebody would be like, did you hear that? But it's just like another guy. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, 40 people, too many.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me go, let's see. Do do do. Yeah, they they would see dark objects. Um, all of them saw the nun. All of them saw it. Damn. It was especially present in February of nineteen thirty-eight. Price's description of the incident reveals a great deal of speculation about a nondescript shape, but everybody alleges that it was the nun. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, he enrolls mediums to come and help him. Um, he's just, like, so deep in the rectory. He's convinced himself that it's haunted. And I feel like it is. On March 27th, Helen Glanville, who is now um, the new—oh, she's one of the mediums that he brings in. Okay. Received a planchet communication stating that— Sunnix Amuris and one of his men would burn down the rectory that night at nine o'clock to end the haunting, and that proof of the murder responsible for the haunting would be revealed. Whoa. The fire would start in the hall. Nothing happened that night. However, do, 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 do. Oh, also, there's over a hundred witnesses to the Marianne messages. Interestingly, the rectory did burn down
0: how long after
1: not long after 1939 so that's a year after at midnight the house had been occupied at the time um it was just a paraffin lamp that like fell over but it did burn down dang and it did start in the hall Oof. and um that piece about them discovering the murder responsible for the haunting yeah they did what was it let me find that part Price documented haunting phenomena and discovered human remains buried in the cellar. Oh, shit. This is in 37, which medical experts said might be those of a young woman. Oh, my
0: God. The assistants were dispatched out the
1: house. Yep. So um, after that, everybody just got, like, right on their shit. But it was said that she that she probably had been a nun that had lived there at the monastery or at least wow. close by and, and had was been like buried in the basement. And was like
0: alive? Maybe. That's, that's looks so like crazy. It.
1: Yeah, but isn't... That's like... That's like the thing with, with Seisha's story, how there's mm-hmm. just so just happened to be... They just want you to know. They just want you to know. Yeah. And she's just walking around being like, I was like, hey, in this guys, monastery. Hey guys, just so you know, I fucking died here. Yep. Wow. That's all they need to know. Yep, wow. there's so much more about this haunting that I could read but it's I mean it's really in depth and a lot of it is about how Harry Price was posthumously accused of like hocus pocus and exaggerating yeah. stuff but I will say that the the public still very fervently believes that the rectory's haunted yeah, and they still see no the nun and they see, they still see scrollings and it's like it's a whole thing. Oof. I will, I mean, like, if I saw a haunted nun, I would die at this point because well, you're, it's such yeah. a trigger for me. If I heard someone moan and then say, no, don't, Carlos, Carlos don't, yeah. <laughs> I also might freak
0: the fuck out. I wouldn't, the first time I'd be like, oh, that's awkward to hear. But it, the second time I'd be like, okay, I'm going to crack open a cold one. It's not cold, very warm, actually. Get ready for your tail. To get ready for my tail. With because, the whistle, girl, Get ready for your tail. This might be my favorite one that I've ever I can't had the wait. joy of research. Robin refused to tell me the name of it today and I was very angry. Well, that's because it's not a specific ghost. Oh my god. I'm gonna be talking about the doppelganger. <gasps> no!
1: Yep. You know, this is actually something that my brother Tommy doesn't. Doesn't talk about, because it scares him so much. It's
0: really fucking scary, and I have a lot to say about it. Oh, man. So, the word itself translates to, literally, Mm -hmm. double-goer. Similar to black dogs and some of the other phenomena we've discussed, it's seen as a harbinger of bad luck or death. Sure. Um, And the term evil twin or twin stranger or double is also used to describe the same thing not the doppelganger in the sense of somebody who looks like you not like you're you're you know some guy that you happen to be sitting next to on a plane who also has a red beard Mm -hmm. all right in the mythical sense it is another you a ghost of yourself how does it what do you need to do to like split yourself and make a doppelganger you can't control it fuck So Francis Gross wrote in the Provincial Glossary of 1787 that the definition was loosely, quote, the apparition of a living person. The idea of the doppelganger, though, goes back thousands and thousands of years and spans many cultures. The ancient Egyptians had the ka, or spirit double. Mm -hmm. Norse mythology had the varduger, or ghostly double, who can sometimes perform the actions of the actual person, before they themselves do them so your your doppelganger can do things before they happen finnish mythology is a similar creature called an 18 which translates to first comer does the same thing does your shit before you do it wait but does it
1: does the world like would my doppelganger if if i was like hey i could really go for a cup
0: of coffee and i go to the place and they're like you're just here yep that's horrible yep uh, Breton mythology, Cornish and Norman French folklore. The Anku is the actual personification of death. It's pervasive across cultures. It's it, almost every ancient culture has a version of this, like is, a dumpling. Does
1: the does the doppelganger know it's a
0: doppelganger? I don't think that anybody has gotten close enough to try. It, I will talk about a couple of them and and Please. I will I'll tell you what I I know about them. So there are hundreds of tales out there, examples of famous doppelganger sightings. These are just a selection because I wanted to keep it short of famous people who have encountered doppelgangers. The poet John Donne saw one of his wife in 1612. Donne said, quote, I've seen a dreadful vision. I've seen my dear wife pass twice by me through this room with her hair hanging about her shoulders and a dead child in her arms. <gasps> Uh, The friend to which he said this replied, Sure, you've slept since I saw you, and this is the result of some melancholy dream, which I desire you to forget you're now awake, you know, like you obviously had a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dunn's reply was, I cannot be sure that I now live than that I have not slept since I saw you and am as sure that at her second appearing she stopped, looked me in the face, and vanished. It turned out that the apparition was actually bringing him news A lot like a uh, banshee. Because his wife had given birth to a stillborn child that (gasps) night. Oh, my God. Another famous poet, Percy by Shelley, Mm. says he met his own doppelganger prior to his death. (gasps) His widow later revealed that Shelley said, quote, He had seen the figure of himself, which met him as he walked on the terrace and said to him, How long do you mean to be content? The doppelganger then silently pointed toward the Mediterranean Sea, supposedly towards the very spot where Shelley would later get in a fatal sailing accident. Shelley's wife also stated that once, as she looked out the window of their home, she thought she saw Shelley pass by the window... But then he passed again in the same direction from the same side, which, given the layout of the landscape, was impossible.
1: Oh, my God. In
0: reality, her husband was nowhere near the lawn at the time. She claims to have seen two of him. So it wasn't even him the second time. He was oh, nowhere close by. Man, It was just like a... Like an imprint. Yeah, like an imprint in time. In 18th century Russia, Catherine the Great was lying in her bed when concerned servants rushed into her room... And, and woke her up and told her they'd just seen her enter the throne room when she set out to investigate she found her doppelganger sitting calmly <gasps> on the throne Catherine immediately ordered her sentries to shoot at her ghostly counterpart and it fucking disappeared oh my god she herself died soon afterwards not like immediately but like within i would i think a
1: week this like makes me feel like a doppelganger can happen to you as your essence is like waning yes
0: that is the thing it happens to <sighs> man let you know that you are going to die your essence is waning your here's an echo splitting. of you in, yeah, here's, like, a fractured version of you in a different multiverse version that somehow is, like, overlapping. Yeah. Wow. Queen Elizabeth the first in the very early 1600s has a similar story. She claims she saw a spectral version of herself lying motionless on her bed. The experience was particularly haunting because such appearances are said to be a certain sign of death, and she died almost immediately after seeing the doppelganger. Wow. Another famous poet, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, sure, also claimed a sighting, though his seems to involve some sort of time loop. His story goes, quote, I now rode along the footpath towards Drusenheim, and here one of the most singular forebodings took possession of me. I saw not with the eyes of the body, but with those of the mind, my own figure coming towards me on horseback and on the same road, Attired in a dress which I had never worn, it was pike gray with somewhat of gold. As soon as I shook myself out of the stream, the figure had entirely disappeared. It is strange, however, that eight years afterward, I found myself on the very road to pay one more visit to Frederica in the dress of which I had dreamed and which I wore not from choice but by accident. So he saw a future projection of himself. Yep. And then... Sorry, there's so many more of these. No, keep them coming. A famous vice-admiral in the Victorian era, George Tyron, was reported by a full room of party guests to have walked through the drawing room of his family home in London looking straight ahead in total silence. Witnesses say he was wearing a full commander's uniform and disappeared as he opened the door to leave the drawing room. Wow. The real tyrant was on a ship off the coast of Syria, <gasps> which had sunk and caused his death the same night the doppelganger made its appearance. Oh, man. Knowing that he had just doomed the 357 men on his ill-fated ship to drown, his last words were, It is entirely my fault. Oh, my God. And here we got a little bit of Carl Sandburg's biography of Abraham Lincoln, who is the most probably famous person to have seen as Doppelganger and talked about it. And a quite
1: famous ghost.
0: Yeah. One day we'll do him. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot to say. Tons. So this is from uh, Sandburg's biography. A queer dream or illusion had haunted Lincoln at times through the winter. On the evening of his election, he had thrown himself on one of the haircloth sofas at home just after the first telegrams of November 6th had told him he was elected president. And looking into a bureau mirror across the room, he saw himself full length, but with two faces. It bothered him. What? He got up. The illusion vanished. But when he lay down again... There in the glass again were two faces, one paler than the other. He got up again, mixed in the election. Excitement forgot about it, but it came back and haunted him. He told his wife about it, and she worried too. A few days later, he tried once more, and the illusion of the two faces again registered to his eyes. But that was the last. The ghost since then wouldn't come back, he told his wife, who said it was a sign he would be elected to a second term, and the death pallor of one face meant he wouldn't live through his second term. His wife told him that? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. She's like she's wild wild gal. Real sensitive um, to messages like that, I I guess. Yeah. All right. Shit. We that's got two crazy. more wild doppelganger stories. Tell them to me. Even though there are literally hundreds of them. Yeah. Okay. The author, I believe it's Guy de Maupassant, claims to have interacted multiple times with his own doppelganger. In wow. fact, he said that his ghost double dictated an entire short story to him. What that story called The Horla tells the tale of a man whose sanity is slowly consumed by an evil spirit that uses him as a host. Shortly after he finished taking the story down to Maupassant's mental health deteriorated greatly and he died in an insane asylum soon after. Oh no. So yeah. And then finally, this I would say, outside of Lincoln, is the most famous doppelganger case. Dozens and dozens of students and teachers uh, in the 1840s claim to have witnessed the double of their teacher, Emily Sagie. Sagie was constantly moving and switching jobs. In 16 years, she had 19 different jobs.
1: I know about her. Yeah. Yeah, she's
0: constantly plagued
1: with this. Mm-hmm.
0: One report says that 13 students watched her doppelganger standing just behind her, mirroring her movements. Oh, my God. Segi did not notice or see the twin, though, was said to act strangely when it appeared. On another occasion, the double appeared to a full classroom of students sitting in the teacher's chair. The real Segi was outside in the garden. Several students actually approached the doppelganger and reported being able to pass through it, saying it had a texture that reminded them of thick fabric. What would you do if, like, that happened to you in a classroom as a child? Um, die in an insane
1: asylum. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> need unending therapy. <laughs> yeah. And I'd just be, I'd just
0: would throw up right then. Can you imagine? And, and a bunch of students, too. They, like, took turns walking in, like, through. like, how it. many, 19 schools? Yeah, terrorized a
1: bunch of schools. Yep,
0: <laughs> not her fault though. She didn't want it. It's not her fault. She just wants I mean, to teach. It was like she was famous for it, and it become it became something that people saw and dealt with on a regular basis. People <gasps> got used to it.
1: So were there people who said like, "Oh no, no, that's just her doppelganger. The real ones." Blah blah blah. Yep.
0: Wow. And eventually, though, parents began removing their kids from the school, and the headmistress had to fire her because people Aww. were too fucking freaked. Out. I mean, it's fair, but... It's fair, but it's not her fault. But you know what? You got something... mm -mm. If something is following you like that, it's not a good sign. I wouldn't want my child around it. I'll say that.
1: No, that's for sure. But I wonder how come for her this was something that just was almost like the status quo was that her doppelganger was constantly
0: hanging out with her. Well, you know, have you ever heard about the... um, Now, I'm struggling to remember exactly what it's called, but it's something like a time paradox or... uh, Fuck, I've got to look it up because there's a story of these ladies walking through Versailles and all of a sudden everything gets really quiet and they look around them and they realize that um, they are in, like... A different time all of a sudden. They look around them, and they're the only people wearing modern dress, and there are old-timey people all around them, and they start flipping out. I gotta look it up. Hold on. That's amazing. Yeah. So, like,
1: you think maybe for her, maybe some kind of event in childhood or some kind of trauma or any kind of event happened to maybe this woman. Mm Mm-hmm and that she exists or has access to a few different planes of existence
0: i i would say that probably in the in the same way that i feel like maybe the idea of a doppelganger is some kind of fracture that happens in like a time plane that splits it between two universes sure. or whatever um, and then they kind of end up overlapping. And you see the double of something that's happening in another universe, say. I
1: wonder, like, if I, we could actually study this, it'd be so interesting to me. Because it seems like there's a couple different ways a doppelganger can manifest. You mm-hmm. can either be dying, so, yep. like, your
0: actual s- self
1: is fracturing. It's, like
0: growing thin and, yeah. you know, your world, your literal world and universe is growing thin. And you're becoming... Part of all universe yeah. time. And the
1: secondary, which is that maybe there was an event or an occurrence mm-hmm. or some kind of uh, affliction that this woman had that caused right, her to that have a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kind of, I don't know if it would be a trauma or if yeah. it would be. Um,
0: I don't know. Or maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's doppelganger. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I found the thing that I was thinking of. It's called the Moberly Jourdain Incident, also known as the Ghost of Petit Trianon or Versailles. Um, so this happened in 1911. Or, sorry, it happened in 1901. They mm-hmm. published a book about it in 1911. I'm just going to read directly from Wikipedia. According to Moberly and Jordan, the two women decided to visit the Palace of Versailles as part of several trips. And they went to Versailles, traveled by train, blah, 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 blah. On the way to Versailles to visit the gardens, they reached the Grand Trianon and found it was closed to the public. Uh, The two women soon became lost after missing a turn for the main avenue. They passed this road and entered a lane... Where unknown to them, they passed their destination. Moberly noticed a woman shaking a white cloth out of a window, and Jourdan noticed an old deserted farmhouse out of which, outside of which there was an old plow. At this point, they claimed a feeling of oppression and dreariness came over them. They then saw some men who looked like palace gardeners who told them to go straight on. Moberly later described the men as very dignified officials dressed in long grayish-green coats with three... With small three-cornered hats, Jourdan noticed oh, a man. cottage where a woman and a girl were in the doorway. The woman was holding out a jug to the girl. Jourdan described it as a tableau vivant, a living picture, much like a Madame Tussaud's waxwork. Moberly did not observe the cottage, but felt the atmosphere change. She wrote, "Everything suddenly looked unnatural, therefore unpleasant. Even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like wood worked in tapestry." There were no effects of light and shade, and no wind stirred the trees. They reached the edge of the wood, close to the Temple de l'Amour, and came across a man seated behind a garden kiosk, wearing a cloak and a large shady hat. According to Moberly, his appearance was most repulsive, its expression odious. His complexion was dark and rough. Jourdain noted the man slowly turned his face, which was marked by smallpox. His complexion was very dark. "'The expression was evil and yet unseeing, "'and though I did not feel that he was looking particularly at us, "'I felt a repugnance at going past him. "'A man later described as tall with large dark eyes "'and crisp curling black hair under a large sombrero hat "'came up to them and showed them the way to the Petit trianol. "'After crossing the bridge, they reached the gardens in front of the palace "'and Moberly noticed a a lady sketching on the grass who looked at them. "'She later described what she saw in great detail. "'The lady was wearing a light summer dress,' On her head was a shady white hat. She had lots of fair hair. blah 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 She became convinced that this Jesus. was Marie Antoinette. Um, after they saw this woman, they were directed round to the entrance and joined a party of other visitors, which brought them back to the present time. What? So, um, tableau vivant was the term that I was thinking of. It's where yeah. you enter a thing that's like a moment frozen in time. Wow. Yeah, there is a whole Wikipedia section about it. I really want to do that. I mean, I would love if there were a way to just, like, zap that on. I know. I would go back in time to that lumberjack bar that your dad went to. We could probably, like, go to Canada and, like, basically go to back in time and do that (laughs) yeah we'll just go forward in time later in life to that bar yeah we can go forward in time like two or three weeks yeah in a car to to that place in time we'll just make the trip (laughs) is what i'm saying yeah but man that is wild i
1: love that you did doppelgangers because i always am thinking about uh layers of time and circular time and just the idea of seeing a
0: ghost of yourself is yeah. fucking terrifying. A ghost of your own self. A ghost of yourself that when you see it, you know that something bad is gonna fucking happen. That's so crazy. It's so crazy, and it's wild to me that there are like seemingly limitless reports of it from. Yeah. Like, famous, famous people who have no reason to lie about it.
1: I have had experiences where I've felt like I've had visitations from what I fe- what I felt like were my own ghost, but it's a ghost of my child self.
0: Oh, uh, that's scary. Tell me about it.
1: I It wasn't scary to me at all. It was awesome. Oh. Like, it was always during times when, like, I was... Like, about to fall asleep, but I wasn't dreaming. Uh Uh-huh. Or I was just somewhere with my eyes shut. Uh Uh-huh. And I would feel like um, there was a little girl near me Mm -hmm. or next to me. And then I would think, oh, that's myself. And I would become, like, overwhelmed with a sense of, like, play and happiness or just, like, reminded about, like, the inner child. Yeah. But that's more of like that's not like an actual ghost. I feel. I mean, there's no way there's no way for me to know. But, but I feel like when any time that I felt like a ghost of myself is, is yeah. near, it's myself as a child, reminding myself to be like, hey, don't worry so much.
0: That that seems like a pleasant experience. It was great I, and not like not so much a jarring like oh, what did no. I just see? Who was that child? Why no, did she no. giggle and then run into the woods? Mm-mm. Was that me? Like not like a
1: giggling and running into the woods was my
0: favorite activity though, well, yeah, I mean, you do live in a haunted house in the woods, but love to laugh, um, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a difference between being like, oh, like, I don't know, just the idea of like walking in somewhere to like go into your laundromat and having them be like, you ju- you were just yeah. here that's the like, most unsettling what? thing no, I can think of it wasn't like I think it's. Jose Saramago, Saramago had a book called The Double that's like about this really? kind of thing. Yeah, it's really Ooh, good. They I made it read into that. a movie with Jesse Eisenberg, which I did not see. Mm, but, seems like a weird choice. Yeah, I no, he's a good writer. He wrote Blindness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Julianne yeah, Moore yeah. that movie. They made it Man. into a movie.
1: I mean, I don't even like it when people meet me and they're like, "You remind me of someone."
0: Right. The idea of <sighs> there being a like an a, an, a, a portion sector, of you like a even an echo of you and the scariest one to me is the one that does a thing that you're gonna do before you yeah so I it's hate like that. if there if it is like a slice <laughs> fractured universe thing it's like this universe is very slightly ahead of you yeah and that fucking scares me yeah and also sucks like
1: because it's, it's like, like oh, oh nothing you, i do
0: means anything honey we just got married
1: yeah. Or like, you just received that award, silly. Right, and it's like, oh, I have free will. The best just things. kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's madness. Anyway, yeah, and I it was love a that. late
0: researching doppelgangers because I was like, no, no, no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, like, anybody who looks remotely like you, you're just going to turn, run the oh, other way. I
0: mean, I don't think so. These stories make it seem like Ooh. when you know, you know. Jeez. Because, like, I mean, think about... The one of the guy saying to his own yeah. doppelganger, how long do you plan on being content for? And then pointing. That's like your fucking doppelganger walking up to you and being like, you think you're happy? And then pointing out at the water and pointing at the spot where you're going to die. Or just being
1: like fun being alive, isn't it? Yeah, being like, think about that. That's like when somebody, what am I trying to think of, is like up a bat and they're like, I'm going to hit it right there. Mm-hmm. And they point out.
0: And then they do, and you're like, why'd you do that, man? Yeah, they're like, watch this three-pointer. Yeah, watch this. Is that basketball? I think that's basketball. I don't know. Something left pocket. Yeah, oh, corner Corner, pocket, eight ball. Yeah. I was going to say corner ball.
1: Doppelgangers are pool sharks. sharks. Card sharks? (laughs)
0: They're card sharks, they're, yeah, and they're pool sharks. Anyway, you slice it, it's a shark.
1: Yep, it's a horrible apparition who's a magician and just loving the fact that they get to rob you
0: of all oh, of your best things yeah, in life. Yeah, they're like, "Guess what?" You know, like you just ate a donut, guess what? I ate it 4 seconds before you did, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> Like, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it, and you can't stop you from
1: doing mm-hmm. it. Or like, oh, you're taking a break in the garden? I'm going to teach your kids while you're gone. Oh, I hate it! I hate
0: it! That's the
1: worst ever. And if it's anybody just had- sit there.
0: There was another story, sorry. Um, I forget which—I think it was one that I left out of this because it was, like, too—it uh, was very passive. Like, mm. there, nothing really happened. But it was about a guy who a ton of his coworkers reported, like— He was sitting outside of the building one day, like, just, like, sitting there staring down at the ground looking grumpy, and they went up to him and kept being like, hey, man, are you okay? And he just didn't answer. And then, like, they saw him later, and they were like, yeah, we all saw you, and you were, like, being a real asshole. And he was like, nope, that wasn't me. Oh, oh my God. your top area can just, like, fuck with you. (laughs) Yeah, like, ruin your reputation at work.
1: just by, like, being an asshole. And they'll be like, get back to your desk, Doug.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, uh, I've actually been... Uh, Sitting right here. You know, working working for a while. while, I I don't know what you saw. And they're like, no, it was you. Like, literally, it was you. We can prove it. Oh, my God.
1: (sighs) I would love to see if anyone has a photograph of a doppelganger. In close proximity to the real individual that they represent. I would also
0: love nothing more than to hear uh, straight from the horse's mouth how it felt to walk through the doppelganger that felt like thick fabric. I love that. I would... Do anything to be able to speak to somebody who has passed yeah. through a doppelganger. Yeah. Because I that imagine thing like, like walking through the fabric between fucking universes, like yeah. the veil
1: of the world. Well, yeah, there's a reason why probably we use that word and mm-hmm. why it's interesting that it's the word that like came to mind. Yeah. Dude. It's so cool. Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. I say it every pod, but it's true. <laughs> That was intense. Yeah, dude, we got nun ghosts, haunted rectories, doppelgangers. You got a fucking Wendigo moaning people with Carloses. Mm-hmm. I'm real spooked.
0: I know, dude. I'm full of fears. Yeah, as you should be.
1: It's not safe out there, and I've got my <laughs> my mirror that I can look at, look into, and see visions.
0: It is uh, not safe out there. It's However, not safe out there at all.
1: reading scary stories is a pleasant escape. It's a pleasant escape. <laughs> Escapism is okay in small doses.
0: Ooh, no, it's okay in great doses. Get out of this horrible nightmare that we live in. It's true,
1: but also participate...
0: Yes. Represent. Let's not get into this, but yes, go out and (laughs) protest and yell as loud as you can. Yep. As loud as you possibly can. (sighs) Oh, God, I love nothing more than screaming New York hates you Yeah, It's the best. It's the best way to do it is just to scream and scream. Scream and scream and scream until your voice is ragged like a ghost. Mm
1: -hmm. Ragged like a ghost.
0: Ooh. Guys. Do you have a ghost tip for this week?
1: Uh, My ghost tip, I guess, is... uh, Don't be the person who cried ghost. If you want to start a spite organization to fuck with one that you're quitting, you got to make sure that, like, you vet yourself. Uh Make sure that you're above board so nobody can ruin your legacy. and uh, beware, of Valak, the worst demon in the world. If you do go see
0: Annabelle, um, let me know what, what was think? it called? Annabelle Creation? Something Creation? The Creation? I don't know. Just know that there is a Valak there going into it. Very subtle Valak, mm-hmm.
1: but also the movie was pretty good. I do solid want to see it. first
0: half. Weird,
1: weird one aspect of the second half that I think was kind of bullshitty. Yeah, we can talk about it later. My
0: parents got bored and left Conjuring too, so you know I'm kind of soured on that franchise.
1: This one's good. Way better than Annabelle, which sucked, in my yeah. opinion. I
0: mean, I'm, to be honest, a little soured anyway because I emailed the Warren house and I know. requested a visit and never got back to me. I'm sure there's one, but still. Whatever. Um... I saw the movie Raw this week, which is a French horror movie about um, cannibalism. I highly recommend it. It's great.
1: Real on cannibalism lately, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm into it, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. Sure. Um, But it was a good movie. Um, I guess my ghost tip is like... Oh, God, you know, like, there's no way to avoid your own doppelganger. There's there just isn't. no way. If you do see it, like, make peace with your life. Yeah. Like, say what you gotta say, because you're probably gonna fucking die. Mm. Also, it's, uh, don't <laughs> be too scared. But you could go on to be a successful teacher for it's 16 true. years, and you're and you just live with it, you know? And remember that it is you. It's you. So and whatever you would do to fuck with yourself like that's what's going to happen like it terrifies me because i'm like oh my god if i could go back in time with <laughs> and mess with myself i would be so awful Yeah. like i would i would i would go to extremes mm-hmm. so like I, yeah. you know whatever you would do to yourself just pr- brace yourself <laughs> um i would also like to say a very happy birthday day to Stephanie and Fagan. thank you Thank you so.
1: You finally did it. I did it myself. You uh, did by it the time at last. this airs, I'll be thirty years old—a crone, an old, an crone. apple-faced
0: crone, just an
1: apple-faced crone with no teeth and sunken cheeks.
0: Although, and- if you use that scrying mirror right, perhaps you can procure a young skein. Oh, true. <laughs> Like the...
1: That's what I'm going to ask it for. Does
0: that do... And, and Snow White, does the queen do that? Does she make herself younger? Or does she just demand to know that she's beautiful? I
1: don't know. We should actually, now that you bring it up, do uh, fairy old, tales old fairy tales. Because, like, the Disney one, I don't think that's the original Snow White story. No, I'm
0: sure there's a lot more murder.
1: Fairy tales are maybe my favorite thing in the, in the world besides ghosts.
0: Well... I feel like there's an almost limitless supply of them. Yeah, nearly sure. Nearly, there's Um, the Baba
1: Yaga, that good Russian fairy tale.
0: I don't really, I you know what? Don't even tell me Baba Yaga. To be clear, though. Oh, okay. Don't even tell me because I don't. Chicken legs. Oh yeah, I vaguely remember, but don't tell me because I want to hear it on the episode. All right, well, guys, you have that to look forward to at some point.
1: Yeah. Um... If you have any awesome stuff to tell us, if you've met your doppelganger, if you know what a rector's job if is. If you are my
0: dad and you just have another story to tell, by all means email us. Email that's us. the Spirit Podcast at gmail.com.
1: And it's SpiritPod on Twitter. Yep, at We're also Pod. on Instagram as just that's the Spirit, Spirit Podcast. podcast. Um, yeah, that's about
0: it guys. We love you very much. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you we in know, hell. Stay we safe will out there. See you in hell. I hope and, that um, you get yeah. some sleep tonight. But also, I'll see you in your nightmares. Yep. Love you. Love you
1: so much. Bye.